It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. What's going on, 7-Footers crew? It's your girl, Jenna, and Gerard here. Guys, we are knee-deep in the playoff first-round madness, and we are here to chat all things, well, that. So, <laughs> how we doing, Gerard? Doing great, man. Loving the first few games of the first round. Excited for tonight. I mean, this is this playoffs is exciting, and I think we talked about this off-show. What's exciting is we literally have no idea who is doing anything, right? We're like, who can get to the finals? It could be literally eight different teams. I don't know. Honestly, yeah, we were just talking about this. I mean, there's no concrete mm-hmm. prediction that I can really make. And I call myself you know, an expert <laughs> in this field. But it's so hard. There's so many teams that are good. And there are teams that you think to mm-hmm. name like right off the bat. And then mm-hmm. you're like, wait, 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 wait. But this team, this team, this team, this team is so right. good. Mm-hmm. So we need to jump into it because we have games tipping off tonight as we record this. And it's not stopping. We're officially in playoff mode, as they say, in the big leagues. <laughs> so let's talk about this. Now, we're recording this on May 25th. So this will be a slate of tonight's games. So let's first up your your Brooklyn Nets and the Celtics. OK, Nets lead the series one to know a lot of predictions that this is going to be a sweep because the Celtics have not been playing up to par long before the postseason. And of course, we have. Jason Tatum carrying the team on his back. Kemba Walker, who's hot and cold here mm-hmm, and there. Mm-hmm. And we, of course, have Jalen Brown out with that wrist injury. So talk to me about this ailing, struggling Celtics team up against the Nets and their, of course, juggernaut offense of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Yeah. Um, you know, game one was interesting. The Celtics jumped out to an early lead and everybody was like, ooh, they're getting frisky. Who knows? And the Nets players all said this after the game. They were nervous isn't the right word, but they kind of had to get adjusted to the environment because this was the first time they were in an arena with fans. And it was, you know, however many fans, 14, 15,000, it was, it was full and the energy was high and guys came out super jacked up. And I think they pressed a little bit to start, but once they settled in, uh, the nets were fine. And, you know, the thing I see, look, as you mentioned, Jason Tatum right now is the only Celtic that is that they can count on consistently. Kemba Walker has been up and down. Um, you know, Robert Williams is someone who I told uh, I've been saying on our pod for a while the Celtics should be really playing this guy more. The Time Lord he had nine blocks 
in game one. I mean, he was active. He was everywhere. He's a great piece for them going forward. But honestly, Jenna, they're overmatched in this matchup. And we predicted it on our on our series uh, preview last week. I said Nets in five. I'm not moving off that. I mean, I think the Celtics will probably get a game in Boston. But honestly, if the Nets swept them, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, same here. This one seems like a clean-cut deal to me. I mean, again, the Celtics hopefully can get one game so it's not a complete sweep because, (laughs) I mean, Boston, it's they're struggling. They've struggled all season. I mean, I I say this in a nonchalant way because it's not surprising at this point. It's the same narrative. And then you have the loss of Brown, Mm -hmm. which just makes Mm -hmm. it even 10 times worse. Yeah. So Because he was having a stellar season, of course, as well. He was was Tato's running mate, and it'd be interesting to Mm -hmm. see how they would have matched up against the Nets with a fully healthy squad. Because, again, Tatum and Brown, excellent wing defenders. You can put some size on Durant and and Harden and Kyrie. But, you know, again, and even if they were full strength, I still, I would still pick the Nets in this series just because I think the Nets are just better. And one thing I noted from there at the Nets side of things, defensively, they looked engaged and active. Um, and that was a really good sight to see because that is his team's Achilles heel is that, you know, all season long, they rank 25th in defense, which is not good. Mm -hmm. We know that no team's ever won the title being ranked outside the top 15 in defense. But they look like a team that, when engaged, they can play good enough defense to to advance. Mm -hmm. And they don't seem worried either whatsoever. And as the days go on that we see them perform so well together, the narrative slowly exits of, the team, the big three not playing together so much and blah, 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 and this and that. And can they make it work? Because it's clearly working. Mm-hmm. And then I have to just drop a note really quick that their whole roster is back to being active, except for, of course, Spencer Dimwitty, mm-hmm. who is still rehabbing that mm-hmm. partial MCL tear. Mm-hmm. I have to get that right because he calls people out <laughs> on Twitter and it's terrifying. OK, <laughs> I just had to worry about Durant at this point, but now I got to worry about Spencer. <laughs> Yeah, this He's is on people out. This is this is the, the the healthiest the Nets have been all season, at, bar in the beginning, right? And so you know, remember Steve Nash all season kept saying, "Yeah, we want to win as many games as possible, but we want to prioritize our health going into the playoffs. We want to because we know if we are healthy and if we're doing the right things, we have a good chance at this thing. But if we're not healthy, we got no chance. And right now, they're they look like a fully healthy squad." Love to see it. So game two, you said, what were you predicting for oh, this one? Oh, yeah. Then that's win tonight. Go up to uh, yeah. easy. Yeah. <sighs> yep. That's about <laughs> it. And that's all she wrote. Let's go down to a matchup that is really grueling. And if we're only <laughs> going into game two, and it's super physical, which I love, but still, little little hiccup in uh, Chris Paul in their last game where they did take the lead 1-0 over the Lakers, but he had a little tweak with that shoulder, says he's good to go for game two. We'll see. It does make me weary, but what I'm not weary about is Devin Booker and how hot his hand is. You would never guess that this guy really doesn't have a deep playoff history, and it's amazing. Aiton is stepping up where he needs to. Much improved development, of course, under Chris Paul. Talk to me about this matchup. What stands out to you? Look, the Phoenix Suns are good. Like, I just, they were the number two seed in the West for a reason. They played well all year long. There was something like 17 and five versus the other Western Conference playoff teams this year. I mean, this isn't an accident or happenstance, right? They are the two for a reason. They play Mm -hmm. excellent defense. They've got um, elite shot creation um, on the perimeter from Devin Booker and Chris Paul. They have shooting three and D from Jay Crowder and Mikael Bridges. And look, 
DeAndre Ayton gets a lot of flack because he was in the famed Luka Doncic draft, right? He was taken number one overall, and we see what Luka Doncic is, and we'll get to him in a minute. But yo, Ayton's good, man, and he's gotten good defensively, and he outplayed Anthony Davis in game one. And I'm going to tell you this right now, Lakers fans, if the Suns win the DeAndre Ayton-Anthony Davis matchup, y'all going home in round one because... LeBron is clearly not at 100%, and you can see it the way he plays. Now, he's so gifted and talented that he can put up 18, 10, and 10, or whatever, and you're like, all right, LeBron's kind of masking his way around that. But this Lakers team cannot repeat with Anthony Davis not being an elite player. And right now, he is not playing like an elite player. And he took the blame after game two and said, loss is on me, I got to play better. So I expect him to come out and play better, but look, injuries are what they are. And this Suns team, they, you know, there's a saying, right, Jenna, ignorance is bliss. The young guys may may just be too young and too, quote unquote, dumb. I don't mean they're actually dumb, but too, you know, unawed by the the scenario to get too worried about it. All they know is Mm -hmm. we're going to play some ball and just see what happens. And of course, Mm -hmm. Chris Paul being there gives them that confidence. Monty Williams on on the sidelines. I just love what Phoenix is doing. And, you know, it, it what stands out for me right now for the Lakers is their two biggest players, LeBron and Anthony Davis, are not fully healthy. And again, if they are not playing elite basketball, it, this is this is danger time. It is. It really is. Because like you said, the injuries factor in, which is what we've been most worried about. And again, CP3 tweaking that shoulder mm-hmm. says he's fine, but it looked painful. Mm-hmm. Um exited the game came back but i'd like to know what went on in that locker room during that <laughs> meeting. i mean he, he couldn't even CP3. dribble the ball with his right hand when he came back i mean that's that's how you know he was badly hurt right could not right? use his right arm his right hand at all to dribble and this is the point god we're talking about here look it, it was something and you know the lebron fall and you know cp3 doing his thing like getting up on yeah. that's a classic you know that's that's chris paul right when you are six foot tall at best with shoes on in a mm-hmm. land of giants which is what the nba is and to be as good as Chris Paul is, this is you got to have a little bit of that in you, right? Like that kind of edge. And Chris always gets up against that line, right? That's that's just who he is. He's a super competitor. Um, God, I love it. But you know, he he's 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 incredible. I'm loving what he's doing over there in Phoenix. And you know, as far as tonight, I, I don't know where this is going. I mean, I expect the Lakers to come out and play a lot better. Than they played in game one, but you know, look, you wouldn't surprise me if they went down 0-2. And in, in, my, in many ways, Jenna, I'd actually like the Suns to win this and have it go back to LA down 0-2. Because then I want to see, okay, this is a, the first time in a while for the Lakers. Now you're getting some real adversity down 0-2, and right. you're and you're going home. What you gonna do? It's gonna be incredible television and incredible entertainment, incredible basketball entertainment to see. Uh, if the, to see the Lakers kind of come back from a two and zero deficit there, so that will be interesting. For my prediction for Game Two is I expect the Lakers to take it because I the performance, the lackluster performances between LeBron James and Anthony Davis in Game One. I mean, they scored. Anthony Davis had like thirteen points. Like yeah. that's. Nope, that can't yeah, that happen. That you it. need to be high 20s, LeBron. You need to be dropping like 30 throughout this playoff series. Sorry, it is um, what it is. No, and when you, I say 30, I mean 30. <laughs> you're, like, you're, you're, you're not wrong, Jenna. Part of the problem with Anthony Davis is 
somehow he thinks he's some mid-range shooting assassin. He thinks he's Kevin Durant. It's like, bro, no, that ain't you. You got to, I mean, you can make those shots, but you don't historically shoot at that Kevin Durant level of, of efficiency in the mid-range and from behind the three-point line. You can make shots there, no doubt, but that isn't the strength of your game. You got to get yourself inside. And look, again, if Aiton, and Aiton's strong, if Aiton's keep pushing him out further and further making him a bit uncomfortable, that's a win. Loving what I'm seeing out of Phoenix. I'm excited for this game tonight. I am so excited. I'm going to take the Lakers, though. And you know me. I can't not take the Lakers. <laughs> here. Come on now. Surge. Um, okay. Let's move on. Another L.A. team here. Sharing that L.A. spotlight, but not getting it as much because they're not LeBron. Um, <laughs> kidding. The Clippers. Let's talk about the Clippers and the Mavs. The Mavs lead the series 1-0. A shocker to some for that first game steal. What do you? What stands out to you? What are your takeaways from that matchup? Well, as you see in the show notes, I, I put a bullet under this series and I said, "Clips gone clip." Is there anything left to say? And <laughs> it's it's really unfortunate because you know, look, internet's here for jokes, and we know jokes greater than facts. Um, the past failings of the Clippers franchise have nothing to do with this current group of Clippers. Now. Last year's 3-1 loss to the Nuggets, yes. That's about these guys. But all the stuff that happened in the 70s, 80s, that has nothing to do with this team, right? So I don't believe there's some Clipper curse. However, there's something not all there with this team. And I don't know what it is. And they're going to get a lot of flack because what did they do, Jenna? They purposely tanked the last game of the season to avoid having to play the Lakers in round one, right? Or Mm. see them early. Mm. Because you figured, oh, we'll get the Mavs and we can beat the Mavs. Listen, Luka Doncic is at the level now where his brilliance by itself is going to be enough to win the Mavericks two games. Okay? that He's he's getting to that level like how LeBron is, right? Where it's like, all right, LeBron's here. We're going to win just because just he's great. We're going to win two just off the strength of that. He's mm-hmm. at that level now where just off the strength of his greatness, they're gonna, the Mavs are going to win two games. But what does that mean now? That means you have... Five games left in a seven-game series if the Mavs take two. So you as the Clippers, you have to win four out of five. That is a tall order now, right? Because then you have to be way better than you've been. And we've seen it. The, the, the Clippers have no answer for Luka Doncic. Literally none. They put Patrick Beverly on him. He scored, screamed, you're too effing small. Right? Like, I mean, it's just Luka. It was clear. Oh, day. yeah. Like- oh, yeah. Listen, Luka is that dude, okay? He is that dude, and you send the double team at him? No problem. I know where the double's coming from. Pass to an open guy for a shot or get it to a guy in the middle of the floor. Now he's going to kick, go drive to the rim. I mean, he's dissecting. And what's the thing we said about the Clippers, Jetta, when they got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George with already having Pat Beverly there? We were like, ooh, this could be the greatest defensive team in the playoffs. You got Mm -hmm. the two great wing defenders, and you got Patrick Beverly. Okay. At what point, Jenna, do we stop giving these guys credit for their defensive reputation versus what we're actually seeing with our eyes, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Pat Beverly, I already said, too small. Luka killing you, so you're gone. We need to see Kawhi and Paul George getting up on Luka. Not for the whole game, but they've got to get into his shirt, make him uncomfortable, and disrupt him. And they're not doing that. Now, easier said than done. Luca also has the kind of game where I don't think you're going to disrupt him. But listen, you've got to make things tough. 
We know this, Jenna. You're not going to stop any superstar in this league. You're just not. Luca, LeBron, Steph, Kevin Durant, none of these dudes, you ain't stopping them. What you want to do is make it difficult for them to do what they do. Make them inefficient, right? Turn them over. Because they're going to get their points and their rebounds and their assists because they're, they're too good not to. But you want to make mm-hmm. it difficult on them. So it was too easy in game one for Luca. Too, too easy. And if they continue with that. And it looked that, that way. Oh, yeah. If they continue with that, listen, man, clips, shh, clips going to clip. And it's going to be some, some interesting times in, in L.A. in the offseason. Extremely interesting times. I, sometimes I just don't get it with these Clippers. Um, funny with them uh, tanking that game so they didn't have to come face-to-face with the Lakers. Um Ty Lue didn't want none of that bronze smoke, as you you would put. He ain't want he ain't want none of that. Mm-mm. Come on, he already knows what's up. He's like, I've been there, guys. We don't want this. Well, it, it, we ain't it, doing this. It's so interesting, right? So everybody said, all right, with Doc Rivers gone, maybe you'll get Ty Lue and they'll be better or whatever. The Clippers' problems look the same to me as they did, as they did when Doc was there, right? So I think what this crew, for whatever reason, something is missing there. I don't know what, mm-hmm. but there's some. You know, we talked about numbers and what I like from an analytical perspective. And, you know, I said about Devin Booker, what I love about Devin Booker is he steps into the arena and he believes he's the best player. He doesn't care who's there. And you can't measure that. That's just a thing that you have. There's something, and I don't know what it is, but the Clippers are missing it. All right. And they need to find it quick because they have the capability to be very good and shouldn't. I mean, this, this is a NBA Finals contender, but the way they played in game one. Nah. I'm hoping that we're going to see a, a big turnaround coming up in game two. We we shall see. Yeah. We, if cause, not. Because this should be a good series. This really should be a six, seven game series. So I, I want to see the Clippers, you know, really step it up. Seriously, though. Let's go, Clips. Come on now. <laughs> Everybody needs some much improvement up there in L.A. Now you guys need to figure that shit out. Must be the air up in there. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how that's going. All right. Let's go back to the East because we got to talk about the Wizards and Sixers matchup. Sixers took the first game, much to everybody's prediction. But don't underestimate the Wizards. Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook. I mean, they still... They still played with them well. And let's talk about the star of the game on the Sixers' side, Tobias Harris, who had, like, mm-hmm. what, 28 points in the second quarter alone? He was, he was, he was excellent. Listen, shouts to Doc Rivers, the Tobias Harris whisperer, right? Like, <laughs> t- Tobias' best uh, play has always come under Doc Rivers as his, as his head coach. And he is playing like, you know, an all-star level player. He's, he's doing his thing. Look, the, the, the Sixers are incredible on defense. Um, I really love this team. They're another team. Again, you could they could see them in the finals, another contender. They have the things, the pieces you need. We know about Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Matisse Stiebel, Seth Curry, and Tobias Harris, man. And if he can create shots on the wing and the perimeter, that is such a huge piece. Because in the playoffs, that is so necessary. The most valuable skill that you need in the postseason is the ability to create your own shot and create for others, right? That, that the value, I mean, teams that win tend to have guys who can do that in droves. And my worry about the Sixers were who's going to do that consistently. And if Tobias Harris can be that guy, that is huge. You know, from the Wizards side of things, look, you got Bill, you got Westbrooks. And I mean, you always, you have a chance because those guys are, they're, again, they're superstars. So you're never going to stop them. But if they're inefficient, you got, you, you got a chance. 
the Wizards need to do some different things on defense. I'd maybe start uh, Davis Bertans. That way you have a little more spacing on the floor. So that when Russ drives, he doesn't have a whole lot of clutter in the lane uh, attacking that rim. Because if they're doing that and Bradley's hitting from the outside and Bertans is hitting shots, I mean, they, they, they could potentially steal a game. But honestly, you know, real talk, Chad, a sweep or gentleman sweep, as I predicted, I the, the, the Sixers are just too good defensively. Um, and they have there's really no answer for Joel Embiid. Like, you know. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's an extremely uneven matchup. I mean, as great as the Wizards are, I, it's just yeah. they're not in the same playing field right now. And no. that's okay. I mean, the Wizards had great success this season, but I'd be very surprised if the Sixers <laughs> didn't get past the Wizards. I can't even say it without laughing. Oh, my God. No offense, guys. I mean, um, all, all the offense. It's fine. <laughs> the shape. Okay. Okay, now. <laughs> prepare let's yourself talk about let's talk about my new york knicks mm. and the atlanta hawks all right i sincerely with all my heart was about to put a lot of money on the knicks taking that first game and then trey young has <laughs> to go and sink a floater with like 0.9 seconds left to bring them up, I think it was the final score was 107-105. So, leading to that, of course, Atlanta takes game one. However, it was close. Julius Randle struggled, though, really hard. Mm -hmm. And we can't have that going forward. Right. He is the focal point, the nucleus of this squad. So, he struggled. But, again, it, the point in my opinion, is shutting down Trey Young. Do you shut down Trey Young? He silenced the garden at the end, said it's effing uh, quiet in here now because he got FU chance. He's officially the garden's newest villain. It's amazing. <laughs> the The narratives are flying. It's great. The, the crowd was rocking, 15,000 strong. I mean, that place, people inside the garden said that the roof was just like shaking. Their seats were shaking. I mean... What are your takeaways, Gerard? Because I am just over here. I I, I do want to... Drying up my tears from <laughs> Sunday. I want to say, in terms of crowds, the New York Knicks crowd was the best playoff, playoff crowd that we've seen over the, the beginning of these playoffs. They were electric. 15,000 sounded like 20,000 or more. I mean, they mm. were rocking. And kudos to Knicks fans again. First time you've seen playoff basketball in eight seasons plus. That's wonderful. Um, you know... And I will say this, you know, the 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 idea of is the NBA better if the Knicks are good? I think that's a lot more complicated than people than people think. I don't know if because again, outside of New York, I don't think anybody cares about the Knicks. Like I just don't. Like now in New York, do people care about them? Obviously, but the you know the 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 NBA fan in Chicago, do they care about the Knicks? No, <laughs> right? So there's that. But I will say this: the Knicks, when they are good have the best crowd and the best support of any team in the NBA. I mean, that, I mean, and, and that's just over my years of watching the NBA since the mid eighties, right? that crowd is just insane and super electric. So kudos to them. I thought it was great. Um, and you know, they were, and they were allowed to the F you Trey young chance, all that, you know, I'm going to start with Trey young. Look, we talked about that article that Jackie Mack wrote about him earlier this season and Trey, you know, He's your classic little guy who's got a Napoleon complex, right? And no, he does. And it's fine. Yeah, I, I, that's, I agree. That's the fuel he uses to push yeah. him forward, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever, you know, and he said it numerous times, he's been slighted and doubted his entire basketball career. 
from his his parents not wanting to pay money for him to enter an AAU tournament because they were like, look, the good kids get paid to go. We have to pay for you, look, whatever. From his mm-hmm. AAU coaches to the crowds in college to this dude, again, I'm not talking about Devin Booker when he steps on the floor, he thinks he's the best player. Trey Young is in that same mold. Mm-hmm. So crowd yelling F you at him, that isn't scaring him. That's actually emboldening him, making him be like, oh, word? Y'all think I'm not good? Cool. I'm going to show you how good I am. (laughs) He said that he got that a lot in college, Mm -hmm, too. mm -hmm. So he's used to this ridicule and this what, like, just. And and that's his fuel, Jenna. That's his fuel. That's what gets him going, right? The great ones we talk about Jordan inventing slights and making things up that people said about him, but nobody said it, right? LeBron, same thing. Nobody called you a Wash King, dude. Nobody said that, but you made that up. Whatever it is you need to give you that extra and listen. Trey was masterful down the stretch, running out of the pick and roll, just like, and he just, he read the game so well. He knew everything the Knicks were doing. Oh, cool. You're coming up to blitz, pass the open guy. Now you got a four on three behind you. Oh, you're going to sag off? I got the floater in the lane. I mean, he, he, for a young player, again, this is his first playoff experience in that hostile environment. In the garden. No problems. I'm good. And, And you made the point, Jenna, and I love it. He's going to be this generation of Knicks fans, Reggie Miller, Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. whatever. The dude's going to come in and just rip your hearts out. And, like, he shushed the, he shushed the Garden crowd after game one. He silenced them. I mean, it was crazy how it went from recklessly loud to when he, when he hit that shot, it went dead silent. I was like, that is. And as a road player, they all tell you this. What do you like? Playing on the road, playing at home? They, all the great ones tell you. Nothing is set more satisfying than silencing the road crowd. And they love doing it. And you can tell mm-hmm. Trey, Trey felt it. Now, does this mean he's going to kill the Knicks every game? No, I think it'll be a good series. Julius Randle will play better. Um, he's got to mm-hmm. shoot better for sure. Be a little bit more patient. I think he rushed him. He rushed a bit in that game. Alec Burks was incredible for the Knicks. Um, mm-hmm. Can they count on that every game? I don't know. Um, RJ Barrett's going to be a little bit better shooting the ball from three. Um, but I think these teams are evenly matched. And Tom Thibodeau will come out and make some adjustments. They're not going to let, you know, Trey come off the pick and roll and just, you know, be out there chilling <laughs> like he was doing uh, towards the end of that game. They're going to make some adjustments. And, you know, I'd look to see Derrick Rose play a lot more than Alfred Payton did just because, you know, Alfred Payton, not real good. <laughs> um, so so I, I just think that, you know, there will be adjustments made. And again, also kudos to the Hawks role players. Um, Bogdanovich, not even role players. I mean, there's other like elevated players. Bogdanovich, Lou Williams at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, he was excellent for them when they need to steady the ship mm-hmm. a little bit. Kevin Herter off the bench, my guy. Um, mm-hmm. Clint Capella. The, the Hawks are good, man. And these teams are pretty evenly matched. I think this is a six or seven game series as I predicted in uh, our show last week. I agree. I think six or seven. And I also agree when you say it's an even matchup. I mean, of course, it's hard to think of that when you just think of the power that Trey Young has. But, and again, just a last note on him. You know, I'm always a fan of Trey Young yeah. uh, through and through. More but, so than me. Um, and, and I admit it, I thought he was going to be a high bust potential. But as I've said before, I was wrong. Like, he's... no, you've, you've done your due diligence giving him his flowers. I'm done busting you about that, but I'm glad you brought it up. But, Honestly, if you really, and again, you know me, I love a good narrative. If you just take a step back, this guy is already predicted as an underdog, no matter what. He's little, he's this, he's that. And then you go into the garden where 
LeBron James, Zion Williamson, a ton of guys say that is their favorite place. Without And everybody knows that's not a diss to their franchises, but when you play in the Garden, it's different. Mm -hmm. And you play it after a pandemic with 15,000 fans, the most in the NBA right now, and they are Knicks fans. It's not like you're playing in OKC or something, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, I mean, just basketball skills aside, the mentality that that takes and the maturity for mm -hmm. you to go out there mm -hmm. and, like, I mean, we're professionals as well in mm -hmm. our in our mm -hmm. careers, but that is scary. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. is terrifying. And basketball skills aside, to get your mentals ready as opposed to anything else is just I commend him again. That was a game one performance. We'll see what happens. I think it's going to go the stretch, but kudos mm -hmm. all the way to him. I mean, that was a great performance. Again, we need to see more out of Julius Randle, um, like we've seen the whole season. Yep, absolutely. That is that. Now, before I have a heart attack, talking about them more, we gotta we gotta go down to the Grizzlies and the Jazz, the number one seeded Jazz in the West. But they didn't look like that when the Grizzlies <laughs> stole Game One. All right, Ja Morant is just incredible. He is Ja Morant. Love when he just puts a little half pony up in the pregame. You know, gets ready, gets his game face on. They were without Donovan Mitchell though, who was in some type of drama this week with the Jazz saying that he was first fully ready and he was going to be there. And then the Jazz at the last minute pulled him for continued work on the ankle that he's been out with uh, the sprained right ankle since uh, mid-April. And then he admitted that he was visibly frustrated. So there is some rumblings inside that locker room right now. I don't know how serious, but hey, it's the playoffs, baby. You don't need that. <laughs> yeah, so there's some challenges going on right now in, in, in Utah. Minor ones, I think. Look. Right. When, when it comes to injury, this happens a lot, right? Uh, star players often have their own medical and performance staff that they employ, and they work in concert with the team's medical and performance staff. And that seems to be what the situation is here. From all, all the stuff I've read and I've talked to people uh, inside Utah, uh, the Jazz organization, and um, what Sammy Make and the Athletic have, have reported, Donovan's team cleared him to play for game one. The Utah Jazz staff did not. And so that is where the the, the, the conflict occurred. Um, you know, and I talk about this all the time with injuries. It isn't just about recovering from the initial injury, right? So Donovan Mitchell had the ankle sprain and they wanted to make sure he came back and he was fully ready to go. What you want to make sure is not only is that injury healed, but the strength in the subsequent areas around that injury have not suffered while you were injured. Now, they're going to because you had to rest and do all the different things. So you want to build back up that strength so that it's back at pre-injury level. That takes time, right? And I think a lot of times for the players, that's where the push-pull comes back, right? They're like, no, my ankle's fine. I'm ready to go. Okay, your ankle may be fine, but how's the rest of that leg doing? And we know, Jenna, the biggest predictor of injury is previous injury, right? I mean, that's just how it goes. If you've already been hurt, the likelihood of you being hurt again is more likely. And the Jazz figured, okay, we don't play again. They played game one on Sunday. We don't play again till Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. All right, let's give you an extra day to recover because they figured they were good enough to beat the Grizzlies without Donovan Mitchell. And to be clear, they are. They had a 17-point lead at one they point, are. right? Yeah. And they, and they lost it all. They're good. They, they, they should have been fine in game one. But they were a little bit disconnected down the stretch defensively. They got a little loose. And Jazz have killed teams from three all season long. They were atrocious from three in game one, 25%, right? And so all, and all that being said, it was still a one-possession game, 
right? And so I'm not going to blame game one loss on Donovan being out. That isn't the issue. No. If the Jazz yeah. had played up to their capabilities, they'd be up 1-0. But kudos and shouts to my Grizzly Cubs, man. John Morant, Dylan Brooks had a hell of a game. Um, yeah. Valanchunas is excellent. You know, our guy, my guy, Triple J, they're still working him back. And it's you can tell because they basically played yeah. without him all season. So they're used to playing a certain type of way. And they just got him back literally at the end of the regular season. And it, it, not enough time for him to gel. And you can see because he's just looking lost out there at times and not flowing in a part of <laughs> a part of the offense. Uh, but, you know, kudos to the Grizzlies. They're not afraid. They are ready to look They're They have that attitude and that moxie. I've talked about this all the time. Those guys mm-hmm. believe they respect their opponents, but they don't fear anybody. They're like, y'all may beat us, but we're not, you're not going to beat us because we're afraid of you. We're going to come in and we're going to compete and do our thing. Kudos to the Grizzlies mm-hmm. and uh, head coach Taylor Jenkins. Heck yeah. Um, they are also, um, don't quote me on the statistic, but they are the youngest team in the NBA, yeah. if yeah. not the I youngest. I believe they are. Right? Yep. I believe they are. So, I mean, hey, and that leadership in John Moran, I mean, where he doesn't have experience leading in the NBA is pretty solid, pretty great. I mean, to get one game from the Jazz alone, I'll take it. We'll see how this one goes. I mean, think about that, Jenna. We've talked about John Morant, Trey Young, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. These are all playoff neophytes. Like these dudes, this is all they. This is their first playoffs. All these dudes, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for them to be showing out the way they're doing again, it's early. It's game ones. Let's you know. Let's not lose our minds, but to not be overawed on the big stage. Now, when the series gets tighter and it's a do or die, go home, and the, we'll see how they adjust. Because, you know, game one, okay. And the team goes, okay, Ja, we know what you're going to do here. Let's try to stop this. And that. how do you then respond? So it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. how all these young guys respond uh, to game twos after their big game one wins. <clears throat> I know. Love it. Going back, watch that film, correct what you mm-hmm. don't see and things like that. And it's funny. I'm sure a lot of these young guys are watching film after game one and being like, whoa, the pace. Oh, yeah. And the, and, and, pace. And the intensity and physicality of, of the of the playoffs. It's just any it's, no, it's nothing like the regular season. It's just so different. And it just it, it ratchets up the deeper and the longer the series and the run goes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and really quick, last time I can't believe I didn't mention this. Um, our girl uh, KJ Kendall Jenner was at that uh, Suns Lakers game the other night. Yeah, you know what's up. G- giving her man you know, a, little, a little good juju, huh? Right. And I wonder if she was there with her BFF Winnie Harlow, who is <laughs> dating Kyle Kuzma. Oh, that would so, be a little you know, awkward, right? So like awkward, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know, I got my scope on that. You know, I'm watching that up in these streets. I don't know if Booker was at. I don't, she threw a tequila party she for did. her new eight one eight. Was mm-hmm. I think he might have been there. I'm not sure. Odell Beckham Jr. was there though. Justin Bieber. I, I heard LeBron James maybe, but that's a rumor. So don't be <laughs> running around with that kid. But anyway, back to the business. Back to the business because you know I'll get some more info on that for the next episode. I like it. Um, let's look ahead to our game threes mm-hmm. coming up here because it's looking like a sweep for the Bucks in their rematch with the Miami Heat, who don't look like the Eastern Con- Conference champions that they were coming off of last season in the bubble. So this is an interesting one. What's going on with the 305? Yeah, it's not looking good, Jenna. Um, you know, when it's interesting, the teams that advanced deep into the, the bubble last year, the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Heat, um and and the Celtics you know 
those teams are struggling, right? Like they they are struggling. And again, we talk about the short off season they had, and those teams, except for the Denver Nuggets, really had rough years um, injury wise. Although now the Nuggets are without Jamal Murray, as we know, they they bounce back and they're one one, and we'll talk about them in a minute. Um, I think that's having a cumulative effect on them, right? And so for the Heat, the bubble was the perfect environment for that kind of team. I'm not going to say they were bubble, they're bubble frauds, right? It's like, okay, they're only good in the bubble. They're not good now. It isn't that. It's just that the way in which the bubble was set up, it was in Orlando. They didn't have to travel far from Miami to, to relocate like everybody else did. It was a little bit easier yeah. for them um, in terms of that. And the way that Jimmy is and that sort of like singular focus, I think it's just, it was perfect for that team and for what Spo's doing and, and, and for the Heat organization. But this year, they were bereft by injuries. Tyler Hero, a little bit of a, you know, step backwards in, in his development. And we know progression and development isn't linear, right? Sometimes you have a down period, then an up. It's just, that's just how it goes. Um, you know, Bam Adebayo is not playing great. And, you know, there could be fatigue. I mean, he was one of the only Heat players this year that played the majority of their games. So he could be, he could be getting mm-hmm. gassed. Because we talked about, it. again, they played in the finals. So he had a short off season. Um, Jimmy Butler doesn't look great. Um, and the Bucks, the Bucks are good, man. Like they were incredible from three last night. Um, just blitzing the the Heat from the opening tip, and they're a better team. The, the Bucks are just better now. What can Coach Spolstra, you know, design up and do differently to sort of take the Bucks out of things? I don't know. Look, Julius, uh, I'm sorry, Drew Holiday, he is just an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe in every single possible way mm-hmm. he is considerably better and that matters because if the ball's in his hand late in shot clock situations something good's going to happen more often times than not with Bledsoe I mean you're almost not guarding that dude but you have to be aware of, of Drew at all times uh and of course defensively we know what he does he's such a pest Giannis played well last night uh Middleton's you know shooting lights out uh it's and Bryn Forbes off the bench my god I mean he's another one killing the, killing the heat from three and Miami, conversely, was not good from three in, in game two. So, look, they're going to go back home. They're down 0-2. Right now, the Bucks are in the driver's seat. And this series could be over really quickly. Um, and it'll be interesting because this is, I believe, when the playoffs will begin for Milwaukee. They get by mm-hmm. they get by the Heat. They'll likely have the Nets in the semifinals in the next round. And that's going to be where it's like, okay, for both teams, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, you know, this is when it's going to start amping up. And we're going to see, okay, who's really ready for this? Oh, yeah, that's a different level. Um, interesting with Bam, too, because he was just trying to make a case for himself for DPOY, which was um, mm-hmm. interesting at yeah. some point yeah. there. I mean, look, Bam's a, Bam's a really good defender. Um, this series ain't helping him out on that end. Um, but, you know, and, you know, actually his defense hasn't been bad. Like, it's more his offense is what I'm concerned about right now. Um, the, 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 the Bucks are just not guarding him. They're like, yeah. We're not worried about him. Yeah, he's not making right. shots. We're not, you know, and that that is a problem. That's something that they, if they want to, if they don't want to get swept, he's going to have to figure that out real quick in time for Game Three. Big facts. We'll see how Miami handles going back home. Maybe that home court advantage uh, will give them that extra boost that they need to at least grab one game. They'll at need this it. Point. They will need it. Heck yes. I don't know if they're not drinking the big face coffee anymore. What is not (laughs) keeping them? Something. (laughs) What's not keeping them up to par here in these streets? But let's move on here to the Nuggets and Blazers series because it's teed up 1-1, which is interesting. And we're coming off a crazy game from Damian Lillard, who was knocking down threes like like usual, just Mm -hmm. sinking them. 42 points in 42 minutes, but it wasn't enough 
to land the win because the Nuggets took it 128-109. to Big gap there, a uh, high-scoring game. What's your takeaway from these first two games? You know, Jokic and, and, and Lillard are as advertised, right? I mean, these are two of the best guys in the league, and and it's it's incredible. I mean, this series is getting chippy. I don't know if people remember. These two teams played each other in an epic seven-game series uh, two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the Blazers ended up winning that one. And I just love what I'm seeing. You know, Dame went off in the first half. And then the the reports were that, um, you know, Mike, Mike, Michael Malone, who, by the way, uh, did you uh, did you see that whole dust up? Not dust up, but that thing with Cassidy Hubbard, where he was like, she said, Mike. And he's like, no, my name's Michael. I was like, oh, all right. Dude. Yeah. And then she she was funny. She she's the homie, but um she tweeted something like something like note to self, like don't call Mike alone, Mike. <laughs> I was like, Are you really gonna wild out because she called you Mike? All right, whatever. Really? Anyway, like it's the playoffs. I mean, How many conversations has she had with you before this? I mean, yeah. Anyway, um so Malone had said, All right, we're gonna do something different in the second half. Aaron Gordon said, Nah, I got him. And they put Aaron Gordon on Dame, and Dame did not have a great second half, right? Uh, only had about mm-hmm. ten or eleven points, I believe. Um only made one more three uh, in the second half mm-hmm. of that game. And, you know, Dame will say, look, it's more than about Aaron Gordon. Schemes were different, all that different sort of thing, yada, yada, yada. The challenge there for the Nuggets is if you have Aaron Gordon on Damian Lillard more, that's going to free up CJ and and um, and Norm Powell to attack uh, from the wing area and get to the paint because now you're small in the paint. And, and that's going to be a challenge for Denver. So they're going to have to mix up their coverages on Dame. But I'm loving what I'm seeing. These, these, these games are chippy. Guys are like already, it's only been two games. These guys are already bumping and like getting at each other. That's the thing about the playoffs, Jenna, mm-hmm. that I love. As the series goes on, these teams just get annoyed with each other, right? They're sick of seeing the same guys across from them. Mm-hmm. Every time you walk by someone, like you bump them with your shoulder and just get, it just gets testier and testier. Mm-hmm. And we, we really see the physicality and the, and, and everything and the competitiveness come out. Um, from the Denver side, Michael Porter Jr. You know, a little bit better in game two than he was in game one, but he's going to have to play a lot better for Denver to advance. I'm looking for him to be a 25-plus point-per-game scorer in this series. He's really got to show out uh, from what, what he's been doing all year. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I think, like you said, these matchups are getting chippy. They're, they are physical. These game ones were physical between a bunch of different teams. So I'm loving that. Real quick, um, what about on the Nuggets side? What about your guy, uh, MPJ? Well, like I said, yeah, he 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 needs to play better, right? I want to see him be a 25-plus, 30-point-per-game scorer. Like, he's got the tools. He's got to be Jokic's Batman. I mean, or Batman, his Robin. He's got to be the sidekick. Jokic is doing this thing. You got to compliment him, my guy. There's no Jamal Murray. We know that. And look, Denver's struggling not having P.J. Dozier, uh, Barton. You know, they just they need size on the wing because, look, that Composo Austin Rivers starting backcourt, uh, I don't want to see too many minutes of that. Like that's not yeah. that is not advisable, right? In mm-hmm. as, as it relates to the playoffs, particularly when you got to go against Dame and CJ. So um, yeah, I I am looking for the Nuggets to to and Michael Porter Jr. in particular to really step his game up, be that number two that I think he can be. Um, and if they get Dozier back at some point, um, they'll need they'll need his defensive intensity just to break up those Composo Austin Rivers minutes because they're getting torched on the other end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hear you on that. I mean, this will be an interesting one because Portland, Portland's fun because they live in the underdog seat. They just do. <laughs> and not that they are the essential underdogs of this series, but 
that's if they go down a game, this is where they live. Literally, well, yeah. Dame's got the watch. He's all out there <laughs> tapping it and shit. And they, you know, so. <laughs> you know they're the two biggest guys, right? They're the two best guys, I should say. Dame and CJ are small, right? So there's that whole like small guy versus big guy thing, and right? that whole David versus Goliath idea. Um, but yeah, listen, this is a hell of a series. Again, I think it's I pick Nuggets in six, so they're gonna have to kind of do some work out there in, in Portland for uh, for Game Three. <laughs> like are you feeling the playoff jitters like i am it's you know when you watching these games and you know shouts to these west coast games that started like 10 40 at night eastern time oh, <laughs> i know you know it's like two o'clock in the morning and i'm like why am i still up watching like, i can't do this like it's close and i fall asleep i wake up at like 4 a.m and they're replaying it. and i'm like where am i did i just wake up in the same day literally um but you yeah you feel it though man because what happens in the playoffs, Jenna, and we talk about all the time, every possession matters, right? And mm-hmm. you know when you waste a possession, you're like, mm. it's like, it, it, right? That's it. Because you know yep. you're only going to get so many, right? And it, and a turnover, or a bad shot or whatever, like, it's a waste of possession and it's, it magnifies itself, right? Because now, mm-hmm. now we're down 0-2, now we're down 2-1, whatever it is, and our backs are against the wall because you know you don't want to ever get into the down 3-1, or, de- or, or those kinds of position or, or down 2-0, right? You, you just, you, you feel you, the pressure starts mounting on you because you know the avalanche comes, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's exciting, man. My favorite time of the year, love NBA playoffs. Love it. And like we always say, there's no room for error or no margin for error in these games. It's thin, um, man. It's, it's thin. Yeah. It is. It's very thin. And you really have to be 100% every single night, if not that, especially if you have injuries or you're carrying a team because of injury. So it's going to be interesting. It's super unpredictable right now. So we shall see, guys, you know, we're sticking with you every step of the way in these playoffs. And we're just as excited as you are. So keep following us. Stick with us. And I have extra tissues if you need for anything. <laughs> as always, guys, you know where to find us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We are at 7 Footers Pod on Twitter, at 7 Footers Podcast on Instagram, at JS Hector, at Jen Lemon Selly. And we'll see you guys next week. Keep enjoying the playoffs. Peace. Peace. Spent a couple years out here with these raps Trying to have a plan that we may come true Plotted some jobs but I ain't hit back I don't want to trap, what's a man gonna do? Chevy told me come through to the spot Got a little kickback, bring the whole crew Right around 10, came dressed in the nines You already know what we really finna do